What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast. I am your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And joining me as always is my good pal, Hani Amanian. Hani, first time we've done one of these together uh, in a while. I did one by myself because I was kind of just, I hit my breaking point with the Lakers and I needed to rant about them. But it's nice to see your face again, my friend. Yeah, uh, I decided that I'm only doing podcasts after ones, really, <laughs> uh, just just for my mental health in general. That's that's good. Um, this is our first live pod, so I do have to remind you that uh, Boise State went into Nevada and beat them in basketball. So <laughs> I've been waiting a good, I don't know, 38 years for that. But uh, what happened in football? I'm, I'm a football first guy. I, I believe you. Uh, <laughs> I believe you said you don't uh, football. You don't know her or something along those lines. So. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. But what we are going to get into is the Lakers went into Brooklyn and got a big road win. I don't care who wasn't playing because the Lakers have had a lot of guys who weren't playing uh, throughout this season. So we're going to talk about the Lakers going into Brooklyn and beating the Nets 106 to 96. Uh, before we do that, um, guys, be sure if you want to watch these live, listen live. Uh, we do these on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Uh, also up on YouTube and on Facebook. You can uh, join the, the chat along live with us. You can kind of chime in. We always try to save some time at the end of the show for questions, comments, or anything like that uh, if you want to jump in the chat. So uh, we will do these live then, and then the next morning uh, or later the, that night, uh, we'll have these up on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, all that fun stuff. Um, so if you want to listen to it on your drive into work in the morning. Um, so so yeah, with that out of the way, Hani, let's talk about this this game. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking about um, some fun Lakers basketball. This game was pretty fun today. The Lakers uh, were in control most of the game. I'd say they played a solid three quarters of this basketball game and came away with a double-digit victory. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, I think the, the main takeaway is Anthony Davis obviously being back, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot, but um just kind of starting that first quarter with ad being back there and impacting the game right away despite being a little bit rusty and having not played for however many weeks it's been um he obviously wasn't at his best but he still had a major major impact and i think that really just set the tone right away in the first quarter and you could kind of see everybody else kind of playing off of that and, and improving it uh in in really every aspect but especially defensively i think that's kind of the major reason they won this game holding the nets you know despite their uh guys not playing like kd um holding them to just 96 points that's pretty impressive for this lakers team that has been at best inconsistent defensively at worst one of the worst teams in the league defensively um that that was definitely a, a welcome uh change for the lakers i think yeah well, i think we were planning to talk about ad in the second half of this but let's let's just talk about him uh, right at the gate um to me he looked a little more nimble uh looked just i don't know if he's lost weight it kind of looked like he was a little thinner but uh which i think is good yeah. i think there there it's there's been a lot of discussion about the weight that he put on and the, the impact it's had maybe on his jump shot and this and that um i thought he looked pretty good man I, I didn't expect a whole lot i mean i expected just a you know calm cool 45 15 and 10 game from him but didn't quite get that but uh no he's it's just good to have him back, man, because there, there's a couple, I mean, it's, it's good to have rim protection, right? Like the Lakers have yeah. started to shift to this new identity, which I think is, is good for them in going and playing smaller, a small ball or smaller ball, I guess. Um, and really the only like sort of rim protection they really have had was 
uh, Dwight Howard, right? And Dwight mm-hmm. is just clearly, you know, past his prime. Not to say that he's bad. I think he can still play in spurts um, in certain matchups. But it's just it's good, you know, when a guy gets beat off the dribble to have Anthony Davis still back there and, and able to rotate over and, and contest shots or force a kick out or whatever it is. So it was really good to see him back. Uh, got a couple of, of lob attempts to him today. Actually, one right out of the gate, which was really cool to see. Um, he looked pretty good, man. He looked good, and hopefully we can just keep getting his legs under him, get him um, and get his conditioning up and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, one, one point that was brought up, I can't remember who tweeted it out, um, but I, maybe – I can't remember who it was. Uh, I know they, they tagged um, Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room, um, something that he's kind of harped on on the Laker Film Room pod, on how AD kind of puts people into their natural slots, right? Like you've got players playing so out of position, you know, Carmelo at the five is, is a prime example of that. And, you know, asking Stanley Johnson to, to guard s- several positions, uh, you know, both games against the Nets, he's, he spent a lot of time guarding James Harden, but at the same time, uh, like the Jazz game, he was matched up against Rudy Gobert a lot of times. So, um, yeah. you know, with AD back, you get a lot of a lot of guys just filling their natural roles and fitting into those spots. And I think we saw just players be a little more comfortable offensively, defensively. And I thought the flow on both ends of the floor was just a lot more natural uh, for the Lakers. And, and I think AD had a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that just kind of, uh, put everybody in in the right spots right away. Uh, obviously, Stanley Johnson kind of picked up this quick foul, so he, he wasn't really as involved with the starters uh, in the first half anyway. Um, but everybody else, like uh, I think a prime example is, is LeBron kind of being able to play that free safety role a little bit more instead of worrying about being the rim protector. And he can gamble and get some steals, get some breakaway dunks that change momentum. Uh, so everybody looked a little bit more comfortable. Uh, on the weight note about AD, I just want to say the Jared Dudley weight plan. I, I might get on that. <laughs> uh, this is what AD looks like. Uh, first game back from an MCL straight. Uh, I think I got, I got a chance with that one. Um, there was honestly, I, I really thought about this. There was this one play uh, where Russ and AD are guarding a pick and roll. And since AD hasn't been around, uh, you know, these last few games where, where the Lakers have started to switch a little bit more, he kind of. I don't know if there was miscommunication or he just wasn't expecting a switch. And Russ kind of just stood there and didn't go with his guy. And AD uh, wasn't ready at first, almost got blown by. Well, he did get blown by, but still was able to recover and get a block from behind. I don't remember who the next player was. Um, and that was like, all right, we're, we're kind of in business. Like, no matter how you know rusty he might be and not going to be able to play 35 minutes a night right away, but he, he looks ready to go. Um, and for all the struggles that the Lakers had, that kind of just gives you like a little bit of a glimmer of hope that, you know, if this kind of, it, it just kind of gives them something to build off of, I guess, that, that now they finally have their three guys fully healthy, knock on wood. Um, and hopefully they can kind of have a streak of them playing together and, and separating some some more wins on the board. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned just having something to build off of, which I think is huge because this Lakers team, all year, it's kind of why they're. I think they're at 500 again. I think what 24 and yeah. 24 or something like that. Um, it's kind of why they're where they're at. It's because it's like every time they take a step forward, they immediately take a step back. I mean, prime example was beating the Jazz at home, and then the yeah. next game they lose to a very depleted Pacers team at home. That's you know in yeah. full fire sale mode, looking to offload player X, player Y on the trade deadline, all that stuff. So that's been kind of the epitome of this team, and. This feels like this feels like a game that they can finally build off of. Credit to Frank Vogel. I've been extremely hard on Frank Vogel. I think, you know, I think a lot of people 
and I talked about this on the solo pod that I that I recorded. It wasn't even a pod; it was just a rant. But uh, a soliloquy. <laughs> but everybody <laughs> has looked at Russ. I think is the the main issue with this team, and to me, it's been Frank Vogel, just because I think there hasn't it hasn't been a quick adaptation to what this team is and how they're built. Um, for example, I mean the Lakers, obviously with AD out, uh, it's it's going to look you know a lot different. But the Lakers have run a ton of drop coverage, which is kind of a, a staple of Frank Vogel's defensive scheme is kind of funnel ball handlers into your rim protecting bigs. And especially when you have a guy like Anthony Davis and two years ago, it worked so well because Lakers had Anthony Davis, they had JaVale McGee and they had a little more younger spry Dwight Howard. So they had a lot of rim yeah. protection this year. They don't have that luxury. So it's kind of like you have to switch up your scheme. And today felt like the first step in the, like in the right direction of them kind of diagnosing the issue and actually prescribing something to, to fix it where the, the starting lineup was totally different. I mean, Avery Bradley's still starting, which I disagree with, but it's, it's a much better lineup for him to be a part of putting in Stanley Johnson and, and Anthony Davis in place of Trevor reason to Howard. I mean, those two alone, you get so much younger, you get so much younger, you get so much yeah. quicker, so much more versatile, you know, it, it was just, it, it's a night and day difference. And I mean, you know, the Lakers didn't like come out of the gates guns blazing, but they did win the first quarter, uh, which I feel like has not happened uh, in a long time. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't remember the last the last time. I mean, they might they might have won some recently, but it doesn't feel like they they won them in the manner that they did tonight. Uh, 33-25 was the first quarter today. So, like, those are the types of starts you want to get off to. And, obviously, the Lakers blowing double-digit leads has been very well documented so far this year. And they did let Brooklyn get all the way back within two, but then they responded. And I think they were up, uh, I want to say, 14 going into the in the fourth quarter. Um, so this was just a, a much bigger step, I think, towards leaning into who they are as a roster construction and how the the scheme what the scheme needs to be and not just defensively because defensively I think even with Anthony Davis you can run some drop coverage and stuff because when you have him in there um yeah. you know he, he's going to erase a lot of mistakes and especially if you funnel guys in towards him um that's typically going to be a pretty sound strategy but he did have a little bit of foul trouble today um could be rust you know things like that there's a there's a number of factors that go into that but I think this team is going to be at their best defensively when they kind of simplify the mental aspect of it for guys like Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook and, you know, all, all these guys, Carmelo Anthony, when they just basically say, hey, here's our scheme. We're going to switch pretty much everything. You know, if it's something questionable, you yeah. communicate with it. But everything, especially out on the perimeter, we're just going to switch it because Anthony Davis can guard one through five. You know, and it just simplifies the mental aspect. There's less processing for, for these guys because guys like Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, they have – physical limitations in different ways defensively right like Carmelo's you know much older and not doesn't have the lateral quickness to yeah. to stay with guards Mike Monk is just you know a smaller frame and, and doesn't have the the size to contest a lot of shots for bigger guards and, and wings and stuff like that but you can really simplify things and try and limit dribble penetration a lot and you know you can do that by switching pretty much everything defensively and that's what we saw with with Utah is the Lakers kind of going five out basically with Gobert on the floor, especially down the stretch, and then just switching everything. And I think that's a strategy that can work against so many teams. It's, it's such a modern strategy that a lot of teams employ. I mean, the, you know, the Clippers, for example, ran that a lot in the playoffs last year yeah. in all their matchups. 
and it was very successful. And honestly, you know, I mean, I'm certainly not pro Clippers by any means, but that team was had a legit shot at going to the finals and maybe winning the finals until Kawhi Leonard um, got hurt. You know, yeah. it, was, it was really tough for them to overcome that. So uh, it's it's a modern strategy. I think it's a strategy that fits this team really, really well, especially because part of the issue was when they first started doing this, the the small ball was literally putting too many small players out there, right? Like it wasn't yeah. just putting LeBron at the five. They were also doing things like putting Rondo out there with Russell Westbrook and maybe Avery Bradley. It's like, no, small ball just gives you versatility. So when you do like what we saw, I think, to close close tonight was Russ, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, LeBron, and AD. Like that's five versatile players that can guard multiple positions. Like that's true small ball. They're interchangeable offensively. They have complementary skill sets. And defensively, you can switch a lot of things. They're interchangeable. And, you know, it just it all fits so much so much easier on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, you know, you talk about it simplifying the role for the players. I think it also just kind of conserves their energy both physically and and mentally so that in the fourth quarter when, you know, a game's getting kind of close or you want to just throw out different looks and, you know, Vogel likes to do that, then they're able to do it. Like this fourth quarter, they had multiple possessions in a row where they started blitzing James Harden again like they did in the playoffs uh, against the Rockets a couple years ago. Um, And that, you know, they had uh, multiple turnovers because of that. Harden had one, and then he passed the ball off, and, and they had a different one. Those were the two breakaway dunks for LeBron. Um, you know, the the guys are much – I mean, one, it's the lineups that he puts out there doing that. Obviously, there's more capable players than that. But even with, like, I think Carmelo was on uh, on the floor for some of those possessions, he's still able to kind of get out there and, and blitz and, and put Harden in a tough situation where he has to pass the ball and, you know, he, he doesn't like to go back and get it. Um, and that obviously helps the Lakers' defense in general. So um, I think you're right that, that Vogel is kind of – now that he has pretty much his whole full team other than Kendrick Nunn, and, again, knock on wood, the, nobody else gets hurt. But um, now he's kind of able to get everybody in the right situations, and I think he's kind of understood – and he mentioned this pregame too, that with the personnel that he has, that he needs to go to this more switchy defense, and he thinks it's going to help. Obviously, it took a little bit longer than we would have liked, but um, it looks like, at least for now, it's paying dividends. I think the only downside to it tonight was uh, their rebounding. I think the sort of the switchy defense is one of the one of the issues with them is that if, if your big is out on the perimeter, obviously, he's not going to be in the paint getting rebounds, and, and you need your guards to be boxing out and going and grabbing rebounds. And tonight, that was probably the biggest reason why Brooklyn stayed in the game as long as they did was that they were getting a lot of second chance points. So that's something they got to clean up. Obviously that'll come with time. Um, I saw Jeannie, uh, not bus, but a friend of the site, Jeannie uh, posted something today where uh, I have no idea about this, but LeBron, Russ and AD have not played three straight games together all season long. Um, so hopefully if, if this is now the beginning of them playing together a little bit more consistently and getting that chemistry going. And now your role players are actually playing with the guys uh, that they're supposed to and playing in the roles that they they were intended to instead of having to do more than more than uh, what was expected of them when they signed. Um, now I think you're going to see a little bit more of an optimized Lakers team. Obviously, slowly. I don't. I'm not expecting them to just like go on a 20 game winning streak right now, but. Um, 
hopefully we'll see a little bit more consistency and a little bit more optimization from everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out, shout out to Jeannie. Uh, if you don't follow Jeannie, um, she, I think she kind of edits and produces the, the Laker film room pod. She's at Jeannie ZK on Twitter. Great follow. Um, that graphic was, was really helpful too. Cause it was kind of something I was curious about. And I can't remember the exact number. I want to say it was like 15 or 16 games that the Lakers have yeah. had all three and they've played what 48 so far. So, uh, like yeah. a third of the season, basically, is when they've had all three of their their star players. So, pretty crazy, Good crazy, pretty crazy, pretty crazy to think about. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so shout out to Jeannie, man. If you don't follow her on Twitter, she's a really, really good Laker follow. So, um, but yeah, and you talked about you know optimization and things like that. I think I will give Vogel credit for tonight. I thought that. The, the lineups were a lot better, not only just the starting lineup, but we saw more lineups with two plus two or more shooters on the floor. And I think mm-hmm. ultimately that's where I, you know I've kind of given Westbrook a little bit of a, a little bit of leeway, I guess, just because I think a lot of the lineups he's been in, and some of it isn't Vogel's fault just because there's not enough guys available. Like the Lakers have been so have dealt with so many yeah. injuries, and there was that stretch where they had injuries and COVID, and they were, you know, putting Russ Rondo and Isaiah Thomas on the floor together so like there's there's there was only so much you can do at certain points of this season but with Russ man you got to just put you've got to put shooting around him you've got to give him space to operate and you know one thing that I thought was was encouraging with Russ tonight in the third quarter even though Brooklyn kind of came back because the Lakers could not grab a rebound to save their life they moved Russ off the ball a lot in that third quarter and we saw him kind of uh, cut. He got an and one uh, because LeBron got Aldridge matched up on him and, and Russ cut. And Brooklyn was almost playing like a semi-zone because they were all just standing and watching LeBron and kind of waiting for him to yeah. blow by Aldridge. And, and Russ you know, snuck in front of Patty Mills and, and got a layup plus the foul. Um, we saw some more stuff like that tonight, which I think is really good. Um, I don't, you know, Russ isn't going to play off the ball full time, and I don't think that he should. I think I think part of the reason why LeBron's having such an awesome scoring year, an efficient scoring year, and scoring as many, as much as he has is is due in part to Russ. And I think Russ makes the game simple and allows LeBron to play more off the ball and do a lot more off-ball sets. And I think that's something LeBron has wanted for years. Uh, you know, when he when he first signed with the Lakers, I mean, we saw the Lakers get ridiculed for it because, uh, you know, the, the the formula was there, right? It's LeBron and put a bunch of shooters around him and let him just kind of do his thing. Well, as he's, you know, yeah. entering his late 30s, you kind of need to ease his workload a little bit, make things a little bit easier for him. And so that's why the Lakers have looked for a couple years now. Obviously, the first year didn't work. The kids all got hurt. LeBron got hurt. It, you know, kind of derailed and all that stuff. And the Lakers got ridiculed for it, but whatever. Uh, LeBron's second year, they went kind of back back to it. I mean, they did go out and get a guy like uh, Rondo, you know, to to try and create plays and stuff like that. Uh, but really, the formula was let's put let's it's got we got LeBron, we got AD, and we've got you know shooters and, and defenders around him or lob threats. Um, yeah. And then we saw it kind of last year where they went out and they traded De- uh, Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder, you know, to try and get kind of another playmaker uh, around LeBron so he didn't have to create so much uh, because it, it is quite a burden. You know, he's, he's you know amazing mm-hmm. at it. He's one of the best at it. Um, but as he's getting older, you try and, you know, lighten that, that workload a little bit. So I think Russ has helped in, in that respect. And I know Russ is very frustrating because his mistakes are – his mistakes Loud. scream. Yeah. Like, I mean, some yeah. of the turnovers he had tonight were extremely frustrating. Uh, some of the missed layups, stuff like that. 
Um, I get it. I get the frustrations with Russ. I do think there's a little bit too too much confirmation bias with Russ, where everybody's just sold in their minds that Russ can't work. He can't work, even though this he hasn't been on this, like this type of role probably ever in his career. The closest thing was Oklahoma City, and you know back then Harden wasn't what he is now. And I don't, I don't know. You know, it's I, I get a little frustrated with some of the Russ criticism. I get that the mistakes are very loud, but. You know, you kind of have to look at the whole picture, and you, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any mistake that you know, LeBron's having one of his best scoring years ever. Now that he has a playmaker and a creator, you know that that can take, uh, you know, create a lot for him, but also kind of, you know, e- ease the workload a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's basically what the challenge for Vogel is: is finding that balance of you know. Uh, Russ is best with the ball in his hands because he's not really a threat off ball as a shooter. Um, but and and on, on this team, obviously, he's kind of helping optimize LeBron as as a scoring threat, uh, as an efficient scorer. Um, having one of the more efficient scoring seasons of his career this late in it is obviously at least in, in, partially because of having you know what you said, having that that role kind of uh, playing off of Russ. But at the same time, you know. LeBron is still your best ball handler, your best decision maker. Late in games, you're going to want him with the ball in his hands more often than not. So kind of having these moments where you use Russ off ball in the regular season um, and and kind of try to figure out ways that he can work, like putting him in the dunker spot, which they did earlier in the season. And I think they kind of went away from it once AD got hurt. Um, So it's kind of nice to see that again on that, you know, that and one that you were talking about, that was basically the same situation. Um, using them in those sort of ways instead of just putting them out in the corners or on the wings and, and hoping he can hit threes um, is it, pretty good. You know, you'd, you'd want to see a lot more of that. Use him as a cutter. Use his basically his speed and athleticism. Even if it's limit, more limited than it's ever been in his career, it's still among, you know, the top 90% of the NBA, if not higher. Um, use those sort of strengths that he has and, and try to limit the weaknesses. But it's, you know, it's a balance. How much are you going to let him handle the ball so that LeBron can play off of him and, and be efficient as a scorer? How much are you going to let LeBron have the ball in his hands so he can be the, you know, the best decision maker on the team, make the right plays, um, and, and really make the offense click better than it does with Russ, frankly. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be an interesting part of the stretch as, as the guys get healthier of kind of figuring out what those roles are. Like we talked about the role, the role players, roles but the stars obviously have different you know lineups that they can play with with different combinations of the two two of the three being on the floor um and even tonight still with uh, all three guys out there there were uh all three guys available anyway there were moments where vocal went without lebron or rest on the floor and only ad just kind of, kind of letting guys like thd and malik monk get reps handling the ball as well because you're going to need all of that once the playoffs come around obviously the lakers are in this kind of crappy situation where they don't get to do a whole lot of experimentation because they need to actually win games to get into the playoffs. Um, and that's partially their own doing partially just luck with injuries and COVID, but um, they still need to do a little bit of that because once the playoffs come around, it's going to be a different story. You, you know, like we don't know how well, you know, Melo has been amazing this year, better than anybody really anticipated. We don't know how that's going to look in the playoffs when teams are going to game plan to go at them defensively all the time. So having these options, I think it's really important and, and kind of getting the chance finally to, to try out some of that stuff while 
hopefully still putting wins on the board is, is just so crucial for the Lakers right now. And you can keep, you can do like simple things, right? With with Russ and LeBron and AD, like simple actions. Like one thing that one thing I love, uh, maybe you don't do it as much with AD on the floor. Uh, I guess you could. Maybe if you put like AD in the dunker spot or whatever, or if he's out on the perimeter, um, is a Russ LeBron pick and roll where LeBron's setting the screen because like if you get you know LeBron as as you know on, on the dive as a roll man. And you have a four on three with LeBron, you know, coming yeah. downhill and, you know, it, you can do little things like that. And um, my, my theory is they they want to kind of mix and match a little bit. The Russ on ball, Russ off ball, LeBron on ball, LeBron off ball stuff um, during the regular season to keep LeBron more fresh. Right. And I think yeah. in the playoffs, you'll probably see a lot of LeBron on ball, Russ off ball a lot more than you would in the regular season. But I think. Being able to kind of mix and match that a little bit saves LeBron's legs. Say, you know, I think being able to do that, and you know, hopefully not having to fight for our lives the last couple of weeks of the regular season, uh, will yeah. will keep LeBron pretty fresh going into the playoffs. Because as we know, you know, fatigue and and health played just a major role in that first round um, series loss to the Suns last year. So. Um, we had somebody in the, the chat mention, um, can't have LeBron, Russ, and uh, AD on the bench, uh, almost less late. I agree. I mean, I don't think I don't think most nights you will. I mean, AD had some foul trouble today, plus it's his first game back in over a month. So I think some of that stuff kind of factors in there. Uh, so I, and he had a quote-unquote minutes restriction yeah, tonight. It could be like Chauncey Billups. He has a minutes restriction, <laughs> unless I choose not to follow it or whatever it is. Whatever he said. <laughs> Defeated yeah. the whole. Mogul's more diplomatic. He said it's more of a range, and we're not going to tell you. What yeah. <laughs> um, we said, had somebody else say exactly. LeBron can't be bombing threes with Russ open in the corner. Pick and roll will win playoff games. Yeah, I mean the Lakers can can keep it simple. Pick and roll. You know, with LeBron and AD, Russ and AD, LeBron and Russ. And heck, with LeBron being a ball handler and Russ setting the screen, like you can do so many things with those three different guys just running simple actions like pick and rolls um, that I think that they'll have a lot of options. And we, I also want to talk about Austin Reeves. Somebody brought up Austin Reeves in the chat, and I thought Reeves was fantastic tonight. Another credit to Frank Vogel. I, I mentioned Vogel played more lineups with multiple shooters. Uh, which I think is important just for this team in general, not only just Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and giving them more um, room to operate, which I, I don't think the Lakers have done a good job up until tonight of doing more so with with um, with Westbrook. I think Westbrook's been in a lot of non-shooting lineups, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of – it kind of just eliminates Russ's strengths as a, as a driver and a creator. And tonight they did a much better job of that, and part of that was getting Austin Reeves some more minutes um, – let me pull pull up his uh, stats. How many how many minutes did he play tonight? He played about twenty five. Twenty five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, twenty five minutes. Had five rebounds. Four of them, which were offensive. He had four of the five offensive rebounds the Lakers had, yep. uh, and also dished out six assists. Had a steal, a block, uh, plus thirteen, and, and plus minus. He had a yeah. I was gonna say the plus minus things. Part of like the ultimate Austin Reeves uh, stat line. Yeah. He had two points, only took three shots, um, but five boards, six assists, like you said, honey. A uh, couple yeah. of offensive rebounds that led to some buckets. Uh, I think his two points were actually off of an off- offensive rebound that he went back up with. He had one that uh, he found Carmelo for a second three 
attempt after mm-hmm. Carmelo missed the first one at the end of the third quarter, which I think put the Lakers up 14 going into the fourth. Uh, Austin Reeves, man, this kid is just so impressive, and we've been uh, just more so on Twitter, but pounding the table uh, to get this kid some more minutes, and we finally got some tonight, and it, it paid dividends for them. And the, he just plays winning basketball, does all the dirty work. He's I think teams get so surprised when they get a switch. Like Harden, I think, found out tonight – uh, the first time yeah. he got Reeves switched on to me, like it's like his eyes lit up, like oh, I've got Austin Reeves on me, like, and he found out very quickly that Reeves is a pretty damn good defender. Like he's gonna yeah. have to add strength over the next couple years or whatever um, to to get better. But man, positionally, that guy plays such good defense. He plays hard. He just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. High IQ player. Some really good passes. That corner. Uh, it was like kind of a semi transition pass to Monk in the corner where he fired a mm-hmm. bullet over there and Monk hit the three in the corner. Like stuff like that, man. He's just he's really impressive for an undrafted rookie. And I think you can make a good case that uh he should be starting in place of Avery Bradley, but maybe that's just me. Um he looks so much more confident. And it's funny saying this because like ever since I, he I think got we that talk haircut. About... <laughs> uh it's funny because we talk about confidence for basketball players all the time. Um, which to an extent is a factor, but also like these dudes are top of the top in the world at what they do and they're just supremely confident no matter what like even even the bench warmers are like supremely confident no matter what but if you compare Austin Reeves like the first few games that he played to right now where he's like actually like making crazy passes like that lob that he threw up to AD was nuts um and like talking a lot more talking to his teammates more yelling at the refs like he was not doing that early on in the year he was just quiet as as a mouse and like Still making good plays, but just like there was nothing else to it. Um, it's really cool kind of seeing that evolution, even if as a player, like he's he's still kind of the same, but he really understands that he belongs in the NBA a whole lot more than than I think he did early on. Um, and that's really cool to see. Um, as far as him being a starter, I think I would support that. Um, I think he he is the kind of player that just meshes really well with the lineup that has three superstars on it. And not everybody is good at that sort of thing. Um, I do kind of, I'm not like as, um, I guess like adamant that he has to be starting because I do think there is a little bit of that, um, not to make the comparison that everybody makes, but also to make the comparison that everybody makes, uh, the Caruso sort of element of like Vogel always liked him off the bench because of his energy and, and, and sort of kind of coming in to, to spell the starters. And if the starters don't come out. Uh, really well. You can count on Caruso to kind of change the tide of the game a little bit because of his energy. And I think Austin can kind of do that. Um, it's a little bit different because I think Austin is a little bit more complimentary because the shooting is better than Caruso. Um, so I think it, it, he he meshes in that sort of lineup a, a little bit more, um, especially with Westbrook as a non-shooter and AD not having his best shooting season. Um, so, I, you know, I would be supportive of that, but I also wouldn't you know, I hate like Malik Monk starting, for example. Um, there, there's, I, I think those two are probably the guys that I would most want in that position because I don't know, I, like Avery Bradley. I think I'm kind of over it. Uh, I understand why Vogel plays them because I think he's he's a guy that you can count on to play hard defensively all the time, and he needs that on this team because they don't do that all the time. Uh, and I think Bradley brings that element, even if. I don't think he's necessarily good defensively, at least not consistently in certain matchups he is, but 
in other ones, he really does struggle. Um, I understand it, but I, I'm, I'm just kind of over it. And uh, THC also, I think he just doesn't fit really with a lineup that has LeBron and Russ. I don't think that optimizes what he's good at, and I think it brings out the worst in him. So out of the guys available, I think Monk and Reeves, either one of those I, I'd, I'd be fine with. Yeah, I I understand why people want Reeves to start. I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I do think his best role is going to be probably a guy off the bench that is that high energy, high motor. It's you know you talked about you know one reason they didn't really want to play like Caruso thirty five minutes a game was because like yeah. he thrives playing you know that high high motor, high energy guy. And guy plays thirty five minutes, there's probably going to be some minutes in there where they're just out of they're out of, out of gas. So. Um, yeah. I could definitely and higher risk of injury too. Like right. if you're putting your body on the line all the time, playing for 40 minutes a night, you're going to get hurt. Especially when you're playing against Grayson Allen, um, which, <laughs> you know, the Lakers didn't tonight, but it'll happen at some point. But, um, uh, can, can I, we haven't done these in a while. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop an F bomb, but fuck Grayson Allen. All my homies hate Grayson Allen. <laughs> I will allow it. I will absolutely allow it. Um, but no, I personally, the guy I would start is Malik Monk, which I, I do want to highlight Malik Monk. Um, just because, we we've we were talking about you know we've talked about a couple times already on this pod about the importance of shooting around your playmakers um, LeBron and, and 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 Russ and even AD just giving those guys more room to operate and and putting more uh, perimeter gravity on the court and Malik Monk is honestly him and Carmelo are probably your two best guys in terms of perimeter gravity um, that you'll have and yeah. Malik Monk it was great to see him get going again tonight 22 points seven of 13 shooting uh, six of 12 from the three-point line, really, really good minutes from Monk. He was fantastic today. And, I mean, his shooting, man, it's like if he gets one to go, it just seems like he's he's supremely confident. And they, they all start to drop after that. Um, one one point you did mention with, with Reeves was his communication and how that continues to, to get better. Um, Alex Regla on Twitter, if again, I'm plugging Twitter accounts like crazy today. <laughs> if you don't follow Alex Regla, you should. does a great job breaking down oh, yeah. uh, film and just Lakers coverage, coverage in general. Actually had a clip of, I think it was the, I want to say the Orlando game. It was a couple games ago, I believe, um, where they were – where Monk was kind of at, towards the, the right wing and uh, Reeves was following his man along the baseline and he communicates to, to Monk like, like take my guy coming off these screens and Monk sees that, they switch it and Monk jumps out and actually gets a steal breakaway for, for a dunk. Like that, that play's generated by Austin Reeves communicating and having the IQ to like, you know, say, hey, it's going to be easier for you to just switch this rather than me chase around yeah. these staggered screens here. Um, so shout out to Alex Regler for pointing that out and just the, the coverage and, and analysis that he brings, uh, one of the, the smartest dudes that you'll find on Lakers Twitter. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, all that stuff it's just the evolution of the team that we're starting to see and, and things like that. Uh, hopefully with AD back and, and the big three in place and hopefully in place for good and knock on wood. Um, but the people will fall into their natural spots, their natural roles, and there just will be a comfortability comfortability level. Um, they'll lean into their identity of this kind of small ball spacing team that plays fast, tries to push tempo, um, switches everything. Well, not everything. I mean, just switches most things, at least defensively. Um, and when you have AD back, you can still run some drop coverage and some matchups and stuff like that. So um, obviously you want to have more than one look defensively. So I think Vogel obviously loves drop coverage and funneling guards into um, rim protection with ad you can certainly do that but the beautiful thing about having a unicorn like ad is you can 
you can do that, or you can switch everything too, because he can guard so many different players, so many different positions. So, um, got a got a lot of different options when this team is healthy. Uh, one last thing, I want uh, somebody in the chat said, "What will Kendrick Nunn do for us?" I think Nunn, if he can get healthy, I think will be a pretty big addition to this team. Um, I'm not expecting him to be like a star by any means, but I think he'll fill his role really well. Um, you know, Nunn is crazy. He's a young like. An inex, pretty inexperienced player. I think this is only going to be his third season um, in yeah. the league. Uh, obviously, was a part of that uh, Heat NBA Finals team that lost to the Lakers two years ago, but has just gotten better and better each year. Has taken on kind of a bigger role um, the, the two years that he played with Miami. Um, I, I think he's going to bring another a valuable scoring uh, presence for the Lakers. Um, a shooter, you know, his his shot form is a little unconventional. It's not super smooth. Um, but it was effective. Last year was effective. I think yeah. he'll be an effective shooter, and I think his his quickness, his athleticism, um, will allow the Lakers to kind of continue this this identity of of switching a lot of things and getting out in transition, playing fast and, and spacing the floor. I think he'll he'll be a pretty good fit once he comes back. Yeah, uh, I I think you know off the bench, coming off the bench, he is a really nice fit with a lot of guys. Uh, the role players like Malik and, and Austin Reeves, I think, are going to be really good fits next to him. And I think he's uh, the perfect sort of backup guard to play in those minutes where LeBron is on the floor and Russ isn't because he uh, he can pretty perfectly play the both the ball handler role and the you know off guard role where, where he's just spotting up. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I When the Lakers signed him, my main worry with him was really his defense because, I don't know, it's, it's a little... I haven't watched a whole lot of Kendrick Nunn, so I'm not talking as an expert, but I think there's a lot of uh, misconceptions either way of like how good he really is defensively. I wasn't super keen on him on that end of the floor, but if the Lakers are going to go with this sort of switch-heavy scheme where it kind of makes things easier for everybody, I think I'm not quite as concerned about that. So I really only see mainly positives with him coming back to this team if he does come back, hopefully. Um, it's just a matter of sort of building that chemistry with guys that he has literally never played with, um, uh, at, you know, in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to him hopefully getting back and, and seeing what he can do, but I'm, I would kind of expect him to be a, a pretty seamless fit once he's hopefully back and, and gets his legs underneath him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, um, I'm hopeful he will be back fairly soon, uh, cause it would be cool to finally see this team, uh, like 100% and at full strength, um, even if, you know, they've got to take some time to incorporate some some new pieces and stuff like that. But yeah. it's good to have the big fellow back, man. It's good to have AD back on the floor. And, you know, when you look at his stat line, like it's not anything super impressive today, eight points in 24 minutes, three of eight shooting, uh, two assists. Uh, four blocks is good. I mean, that's that's probably the, the main aspect that they, they really missed because LeBron is still yeah. just scorching offensively. And the Lakers got you know enough contributions elsewhere. Carmelo with 13 points. We talked about Malik Monk's 22 points, and so on and so forth. So, offensively and defensively tonight felt like the most the most comfortable they've looked in uh, in quite some time. Uh, so, um, one of the more complete games that they've played this year. And you know, I know Brooklyn has a couple guys out with with Kyrie, KD, and, and Joe Harris, but um, you know, the, I was I was very happy with the. Not necessarily, I mean, obviously the results, but kind of the process that led to the results. And that's kind of been a thing that's been frustrating this year is, you know, even when the Lakers win, it's it's almost like they win in spite of 
the style of yeah. play that they're playing. So um, it was good to see them lean into more more a switch heavy defense and and really space the floor and and push tempo offensively and and give their creators more room to operate. So um, very very pleased with with tonight and hopefully they can uh, continue that. Uh, what is it? Uh, Thursday in Philly. Yep. Yeah. Definitely going to be an interesting one, especially for AD having to go up against Embiid for however many minutes he's going to play. And Embiid is just on fire right now. Uh, I think he had another 40 points tonight, which they really needed to beat the Pelicans without Brandon Ingram. I would would assume we see some Dwight Howard minutes probably in that game just because you don't want LeBron or Stanley Johnson or Carmelo Anthony at the five (laughs) with uh, Embiid on the floor. So... um, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, back-to-back coming up. Uh, what is it? Uh, Philly and then at Charlotte on Friday. So, yep. um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Let's let's keep building on, on this win. Hopefully the Lakers continue um, to play this the style of play. The, the lineups were so much better tonight, and hopefully Vogel uh, adapts, you know, because that's been my biggest criticism of him so far this year. So if he, if he adapts, I think that will go a long way, and we can actually see this team – start to inch closer to what their ceiling actually is because I don't think they've even given themselves a chance to really reach it yet. So, um, all right, that is all I've got. That's all it looks like the chat's got. Hani, you got anything before we uh, sign off? Uh, yeah, we haven't done these live shows in a long time, but we did do a podcast uh, earlier this week with Mike Sielski, who wrote a really great book that Gary is showing right now about Kobe Bryant called The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. It's about uh, Kobe's kind of early years, um, both growing up in Italy and especially his high school years. Uh, It's a really great read, and we had a really great time talking to him and kind of asking him about the process of writing the book and any other stories. Um, I think it was a great listen. I had a really fun time. So you guys should go listen to that on Spotify and Apple and all of the good stuff. Yeah, really good. I really recommend the book um, if you guys want to read the kind of the, the selling point was it's Kobe's origin story, basically kind of yeah. the, the kid before he became the black Mamba. And so some of that stuff really cool to learn about kind of a young Kobe, his upbringing and stuff like that. Some really cool stories about kind of like his Philly days, his lower Marion days. Um, some, you know, some talk about uh, his, his workouts with guys like Jerry Stackhouse before he got in the league and uh, some things like that. So, Really, really cool stuff. Mike did a great job. We, we we got to sit down and talk to him for about 45 minutes about the book. So check out the podcast, um, like Hani said, and definitely check out the book. You can get the book at theriseofkobebook.com. It'll take you to whatever outlet, Amazon or um, whatever, wherever you can get the book. Um, it'll have all the links on, for it on there. So definitely check that out. And I guarantee you will hear stuff on that podcast, stories about Kobe that you've never heard before. That is my selling point. Like no matter how how diehard of a Kobe fan you are, there are stuff in there that you've never heard before. Yes, and uh, unless we've read the book already, a, a couple of them were were hilarious too. Like yes, had me absolutely muting my microphone because I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> so um, really good stuff there. So be sure to check that out. Um, but we're gonna sign off as always, guys. We do these live on twitch.tv slash Lakers Outsiders. Also do them on our YouTube account and on Facebook.com slash Lakers Outsiders. As you see on the screen there, you can follow. Hani on Twitter at H-O-N-I-A-H-M. You can follow me at Gary Kester. And, um, yeah, so until uh, probably Thursday night, uh, it's kind of the nice thing about these East Coast games is they get done very early, and we can we can do these, get them edited and posted, and still get to bed at a reasonable hour. So 
Absolutely. That's very nice. So, um, big Laker win tonight. Hopefully, we can build on it and talk about some more wins. But uh, it's good to be back and good to talk about some some Laker basketball and a Laker win. So, um, thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Those of you that tuned in and or whoever's listening to this uh, on the podcast platforms. But um, until next time, with Hani Amadi and this is Gary Kester and the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out to the Kings and Wizards because they kind of need a hug right now. <laughs>